Um, I'll pray as we come tonight, uh, come to God's word. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom we find in your word. I thank you for the way it guides us as we seek to live lives that honour you. Please help me now as I preach your word on the topic uh, of money from Proverbs. Help me to teach with faithfulness and clarity. Uh, Lord, please help us to put into practice the wisdom we hear tonight. For Jesus' glory. Amen. Uh, I think we are living in a moment of time where many people are wanting wisdom in regards to money. Uh, Just this week, the Federal Finance Minister, Katie Gallagher, described the current financial situation of many households in Australia as being under enormous pressure. This comment came on the back of a half a percentage point rise in the interest rates. And that means if you've taken on a mortgage of about $500,000, that could mean an extra $133 to your monthly repayments. And they are saying there are more interest rate rises to come. On top of this, we've now been warned that gas prices are set to soar due to a shortage in supply. And of course, we've all been feeling the huge increase in petrol prices. Cost of living is increasing in Australia. And some of you are going to be feeling these things more than others. So if you have a significant mortgage, uh, you'll be feeling that rate rise this week. Uh, If you're more of a kind of two-minute noodle-eating student, uh, you'll be feeling perhaps more the increased petrol prices or rising food cost. Uh, But I think many of us feel like we're living in a moment where our money just seems to be flying out of our bank accounts. In fact, Proverbs 23 verse 5, I think perfectly captures the feeling of this moment. As soon as your eyes fly to it, that is money, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. I think many of us are looking around at the increased cost of living and thinking, my money kind of feels like it's growing wings and flying off. Uh, Money is on people's minds. And that's why this is a good time to think about what God says about money and to gain his wisdom on the subject. And in the Proverbs, we get God's wisdom on money. But God is more than a kind of divine financial counsellor. He cares about your soul more than your bank account. And so while he does give you wisdom in how to manage your money well, He also warns you of the insidious temptation that comes with money. He tells you to honour him by being generous to others with your money. And he reminds you that true security is not found in money, but in his saviour, Jesus. If we're going to think wisely about money in this current moment, uh, we need God's wisdom. And there are four big pearls of wisdom that I kind of see God giving us in the Proverbs when it comes to money. I've grouped them into four points. Guard your heart, be a good manager, give generously and make the right investment in Jesus. Now we're going to think about each one of those and actually what it looks like to apply that wisdom to our lives as followers of Jesus. But let's think about that first one. The wisdom of Proverbs tells us to guard our heart when it comes to money. Uh, From our earliest days, most of our hearts are gripped by the desire to have money and plenty of it. Uh, I was reminded of that this week when one of our daughters told me that she wanted to set up 
a kind of lemonade stand on the footpath so that she could, and I quote, make money more quicker. Uh, The $2 allowance that she was getting simply wasn't cutting it, and she needed a quick get-rich-quick scheme, it would seem. Now, money in itself is not a bad thing. In fact, it is a good resource from God that allows us to have enough food to eat, to secure a place to live and to help others out. But like any other good gift, money can become an idol to us. Our theologian John Calvin described the human heart as an idol factory, something that has the unique ability to take a good thing and turn it into a God thing. Something that we believe will ultimately satisfy us, protect us, give us purpose, i.e. stuff that only God can do. But if you let money go from a good thing to a God thing in your heart, the wisdom of Proverbs is saying you're opening yourself up to all sorts of destructive perversion. (coughs) And God wants you to avoid that. (coughs) In the New Testament, The Apostle Paul speaks about the love of money being the root of all evil, causing people to wander from the faith and be pierced with many griefs. In the Proverbs, we see some of those griefs that come to a person who is in love with money and tries to get it in kind of wrong and ungodly ways. And so in Proverbs 15, Verse 27, the one who profits dishonestly troubles his household, but the one who hates bribes will live. Again in Proverbs 13, wealth obtained by fraud will dwindle, but whoever earns it through labor will multiply it. See, dishonest or fraudulent gain often brings trouble to a person and their family, and in in many cases it also leads to financial pain down the track when what they gain ends up dwindling away or being demanded back from them. You see that when a con artist gets busted and is prosecuted on the news. Uh, But sometimes you see it at a personal level too, don't you? Uh, Maybe you've experienced this in in your love for money. You've decided not to notify Centrelink of a change in your circumstances, knowing that it would affect a particular payment that you've been receiving. And maybe you You did get some easy but somewhat dishonest money there for a while, but in time, Centrelink catches up with you and you're made to pay it all back, emptying your savings overnight. You see, we need to guard our hearts from letting our love of money justify dishonesty. Ill-gotten gain dishonors God and has the real potential to bring trouble and financial pain to your life. And it's not just you that it affects, is it? The Proverbs remind us that love of money can also bring grief upon other people, even those we're closest to. Proverbs 28.24 says, The one who robs his father or mother and says, That's no sin, is a companion to the person who destroys. See, the love of money is so insidious that it has the potential to make us do something so shameful as to rob from even our own parents. Now, this might happen in small ways when a, when a teenager swipes 20 bucks from mum's purse, but it can happen in big ways too when adult children manipulate elderly parents into giving them more money than they can afford to give. Uh, the Australian government found that financial exploitation is the most common form of elder abuse in Australia. 
And so I don't know about you, but I find it kind of chilling that the human heart is so sinful that, and so drawn to money that God actually feels it necessary to tell us not to rob from our own parents. Uh, that is a big indictment on humanity, but we need to hear it. But there are other more acceptable ways that the love of money manifests itself in our hearts. Uh, out of a desire to produce greater wealth from our careers or our creations or our investments, we can become complete workaholics. And at one level, you might think, well, there are worse things to be labelled than a workaholic, but the workaholic lifestyle, as some of you I'm sure will know, has real negative issues. The workaholic never has enough time for their family. The workaholic sometimes pushes good things like church and Bible study and other good commitments to the side. The workaholic actually feels the pain in their own life through increased stress, increased tiredness. God looks at the workaholic and says, stop living that way. You see that in Proverbs 23 verse 4. Don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. Where do you see the love of money manifesting in your heart? Now maybe you've been a little bit dishonest in order to gain a bit more money. Maybe you've manipulated someone. Maybe you've cultivated an unhealthy or ungodly approach to work, work in order to kind of really set yourself up financially. God is saying to you, Proverbs 16 verse 8, better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Uh, if we are going to guard our hearts, we actually need to believe that. God is clear in the Bible that he cares more about what is in your heart. And therefore, as his people, we should care about that too. Our heart is precious to God and it can easily be corrupted by another love in money. Therefore, we need to guard our hearts against the love of money. Jesus himself was tempted by the devil with wealth. You might recall that in Matthew chapter 4, the devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. But Jesus rightly says, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, our Savior knows this heart struggle. Our Savior can help us in this heart struggle. So I'd encourage you, if you are struggling with the love of money, to ask Jesus to help you worship and serve the Lord only. Seek his forgiveness where you think you have gone wrong in this area and ask him to give you the grace to resist the devil and to turn from sinful attitudes and actions with money. Guard your heart. But second, the wisdom of God in Proverbs is telling you to be a good manager with your money. Now, I think we sometimes get a little bit surprised by the idea that God would care so much about how we manage our household budgets. You know, you might think, I get that God cares about the big things like punishing sin or, or evangelism or loving your neighbor, but my, my finances... And does God really care about that? Does God care what happens on my Westpac you know, bank app? Doesn't God have bigger fish to fry? See, why is it that God in Proverbs calls us to be good financial managers, which he does, which we'll see? Well, the simple answer is love. 
See, the way you manage your finances impacts the way you'll be able to love others around you. If we are good managers, we'll be able to provide for ourselves and not be a burden on anyone else. Moreover, we'll be able to provide for those who financially depend on us. Now, most of you, I think, kind of know this, particularly if you've experienced firsthand the impact of poor financial management. See, if you've been burnt by a bad experience, you'll know there is a direct connection between love and wise financial management. You'll know it if you've ever watched a parent or a spouse blow through the savings on a gambling addiction. You'll know it if you've ever made a foolish investment decision yourself and lost thousands and had to rely on others to help you out. You'll know it if you've ever had to cover part of your housemates' rents because they cannot get control of their discretionary spending. Love and money management are interconnected. That's why God wants us to get it right. He wants us to become a a blessing to those around us, not a burden. And I see four big principles of wise money management uh, that God is giving us in the Proverbs. Work diligently, budget sensibly, save thoughtfully and avoid debt. Let's quickly look at those four. Uh, First, a good manager will make sure he or she works diligently to bring in an income where possible. Now, this will look different in different phases of life. Uh, If you're studying, if you're elderly, if you have a chronic health condition, if there are visa complications, well, full-time paid work may not be a total possibility. And that's okay, but the general principle of Proverbs remains. Where you can work or bring an income, you should This will give you a regular and predictable uh, income so as to provide for yourself and if you have one, your family. Proverbs 28 verse 19 says, The one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. God is saying, work diligently, don't chase fantasies. Now that sounds like a bit of a downer on the message of something like Hollywood or our pop culture, which will tell us to keep chasing our dreams. And having dreams is actually totally fine. But where you refuse to work other mundane jobs simply because you're waiting for your dream career to kick in or that you know, ideal job that gives you status and can take you places, well, God is saying actually don't be like that. Don't think you're too good for a mundane job that pays the bills. The good manager makes sure there is an income flow and is actually wise enough to take the shelf stacking job or the cleaning job or the waiting tables job. And so if you aren't working your dream job, if you're simply just doing what you can to pay the bills, I think God is saying, well done. Keep it up because a good manager works diligently. But a good manager also budgets sensibly. Uh, He or she is not reckless with their spending. Proverbs 21 verse 5. uh, The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. Uh, A while back, Ruth and I did that thing where you look over three months' worth of bank statements to see what you've actually been spending money on and what levels of reckless spending have been present. And it can be very exposing, can't it, if you've ever done it? 
a one-too-many-lunches board, a gym membership you thought was cancelled. Uh, it reminded us of our need to revamp our budget. Budgets help us rein in that excess and that reckless spending so that we actually steward God's resources to the best of our ability. Actually, which leads to the third practice of a good manager, save thoughtfully. Proverbs 21 verse 20, precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a fool consumes them. See, where you can, God says, save, don't just consume. It's always tempting to blow part of our savings on that overseas trip or a new Apple gadget or a new outfit. And you know, there is a place for some of those things, but we need to remember that the wise person takes saving seriously. They are ready for that future medical expense or car uh, expenditure. The wise person does not needlessly spend simply because they want to enjoy more good stuff more regularly. And finally, the good manager avoids debt. Proverbs 22 verse 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Uh, in the ancient world, debt could literally put you in a position of slavery if you were unable to make your repayments. But even today, uncontrolled debt can really cripple a person too. Maybe you've felt that with your credit card debt. A number of Aussies perhaps are now feeling it uh, with an enormous home loan that they have, uh, that they've taken out to buy property over the last year or two. See, some debt will be necessary in life, but the good manager will think carefully about how much they are willing to take on and avoid taking on too much debt. So there it is, work diligently, budget sensibly, save thoughtfully, avoid debt. Uh, they, they are four ways that the Proverbs say you can be a good manager of your money. And because your financial decisions have an impact on other people in your life, these are actually four good ways you can demonstrate love to your neighbour as the Lord Jesus calls you to. See, the good manager seeks to contribute to their own needs and the needs of those who depend on them financially. And God cares about that. We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 5 where Paul says, If anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You see, it's difficult to lovingly provide or contribute to your household if you cannot manage your money well. Financial management is shaped by our attitude to the gospel. It is a means by which we love as God has first loved us in Jesus. I had to learn this the hard way when I first got married. I knew that Ruth and I were not totally on the same page with our finances when we first got married. I was a bit more blasé about the whole topic. But I thought, well, you know, we've got most things covered in our relationship, doing pretty well, so that side of things, that'll just sort itself out. But I was mistaken. That was one of the biggest issues we had to work on in our first year of marriage. Uh, we were on a pretty low income, and with me dragging my feet on doing a budget and failing to take the time needed to talk through financial issues, it caused unnecessary stress to Ruth. I had to learn that doing a budget and sticking to a budget was actually an act of love to my wife. How is your money management affecting those around you? 
housemates, spouses. Uh, where might you need to change in the way you love through your money management? Maybe it means just getting a job, a more regular job to bring in some income to help support yourself. Maybe you need to think about implementing a budget. There are plenty of places you can find help with that. Maybe you need to reevaluate and seek some financial advice as to whether taking out a huge loan at this point in time is actually the best decision. Be a good manager, for that allows you to love others and give generously, which is our third big point. The wisdom of Proverbs when it comes to money is saying give generously to those in need. Proverbs 22 verse 9, A generous person will be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And Proverbs 3 verse 9, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your harvest. Generosity is a blessed thing in God's eyes. Uh, it reflects a heart that is not in love with money, but in tune with God's heart. For God cares about the needy. And over the past couple of years, I've actually been encouraged uh, to see such generosity happening within our community. And, you know, as people have gone in and out of isolation, people have given generously to help them from our church. When Latrobe students were in need, a number of you brought, uh, bought food donations to help them. And even just this week in our family, uh, our family's been in isolation from COVID, been feeling sick, a bit claustrophobic, but we've been encouraged by the generosity others have shown to us in our moment of need. People have shared food with us, emailed us Uber Eats vouchers, picked up kids Panadol from the chemist for us. But there are other ways to be generous with our money, aren't there? <coughs> Paying for someone's meal at a social event, giving to a particular charity, taking on a sponsor child, regularly contributing to the work of the gospel here at church. There are actually endless ways to honour the Lord with our possessions. Uh, Jesus says that where our treasure is, that is where our heart will be also. See, generosity reflects a heart that holds God as its greatest treasure. For it gives away money in order to worship God and seek first his kingdom. We need to remember that wisdom in money is not just a, about a healthy bank balance, but about a healthy heart. And as followers of Jesus, we have a wonderful reason to keep being generous with our money. The Apostle Paul makes this point when he tells the Corinthians to excel in the grace of giving. In 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. As Christ gave of himself for our sake on the cross, we are to give of our wealth for the sake of others. <laughs> Now, the New Testament doesn't put a kind of figure on how much we are to give as believers. It simply calls us to be generous and to come to individual conviction on that matter. And there will be obvious differences in how much people can give and be generous. Some of you will be students and may not have heaps of disposable income to give away. Some of you will be workers with a bit more. Others will have dependent children. How should each of us think about generosity within our own circumstances? 
Now, I think C.S. Lewis has a helpful suggestion at this point. <coughs> he writes, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comfort, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because of our charitable expenditure excludes them. See, I think this is not a bad rule uh, to help us think about our own generosity, to do a bit of heart evaluation on that matter. See, if our lifestyles and luxuries as believers kind of look no different to our peers in the world in similar positions to us, maybe that's actually telling us something. Those who are radically transformed by the generosity of Christ and the gospel will have their thinking about giving radically transformed as well. I need to hear this. Perhaps you need to hear that too. Give generously. And finally, the wisdom of God in Proverbs calls us to make the right investment in the Lord. For that is where real security, real protection is actually found. Uh, there's a movie, uh, there is a moment in the movie Titanic where the ship is going down and the wealthy Keldon Hockley seeks to kind of bribe his way onto one of the lifeboats. And the officer in charge of the lifeboats, who had initially taken his bribe, throws his money back at him and just says, your money can't save you any more than it can save me. That is basically what the Proverbs is saying about money as well. Your money cannot save you any more than it can save me. You see, money will not protect you from the greatest problem of death and the just judgment of God. It can't save us in that ultimate sense. As Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath but righteousness delivers from death. Now, the Bible is clear that all of us will have to stand before God one day. All of us will have to give an account for every thoughtless deed we've done, wicked act, selfish decision we've made. All of us will be brought to account for the way we have rebelled against God and his rule in our lives. Now, this reality, this day of judgment, is always in the Bible described as humanity's greatest predicament, more serious than anything else. It is more serious than our moment of high inflation or rising petrol prices or even defaulting on your mortgage repayments. Money can protect us from a lot of things in this life, but it cannot protect us from that day of God's just judgment. The only hope, as the proverb says, is to be found righteous on that day instead of guilty. Money can do a lot of things, but it cannot give you righteousness. It cannot wipe away your sin and your guilt. Only God himself can do that. And the New Testament tells us that in Jesus Christ, 
God has mercifully done that for you. The Apostle Paul says that in the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness not that, that comes not by our own works, but is through faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins and rose again. In his death and resurrection, Jesus takes away your sin and the death it deserves and credits to you his own perfect righteousness. This means that when we do stand before God on that day, we will have the righteousness we need to deliver us from death, the righteousness of our Lord Jesus. This is why the Proverbs tell us to run to the Lord as the only place of sure security. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city in his imagination. It's like a high wall. You see, it is the name of the Lord Jesus, in his name, that we find that strong tower today. If you run to him, you will be protected. You will find what money can't buy you. That ultimate security that keeps you safe on the day of wrath brings you peace with God and into the hope of his eternal heaven. This is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in a still, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Money can easily disappear. And we heard earlier that it kind of has wings and flies away. But it doesn't have to be stolen or, or rust away for that to happen. It can just disappear as we're seeing by high inflation or poor investment decisions. Or simply by blowing it on expensive toys. Money is a poor substitute for the lasting security that Jesus offers. And the wise person, the wise person remembers that there is a day of God's reckoning to come and makes the investment that truly matters in Jesus. Uh, in 1990, Australian billionaire Kerry Packer suffered a heart attack that left him clinically dead for six minutes. He was revived by paramedics um, and flown to St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney for treatment. And in a press conference following that incident, uh, Kerry Packer said these words about his experience. He said, I've been to the other side, and let me tell you, son, there's nothing there. There's no one waiting there for you. There's no one to judge you, so you can do what you expletive like. Uh, they are the words of one of Australia's richest ever men. Now, you don't become that rich by being a dummy, right? And it's tempting to kind of listen to those words. It's tempting to buy into them and think, you know, maybe he's got a good point. And I think many, of, many people do think like that. Many people think maybe there won't be a day of wrath, a day of God's just judgment. Maybe this life is all there is, and therefore maybe like Kerry Packer, we should just seek to make more money and build up that strong tower of wealth to protect us. But let me encourage you not to listen to what Kerry Packer says 
off the back of a six-minute episode of heart failure. Instead, listen to the one who was dead for three whole days and yet came back to life. Who would you rather trust with your eternity? Proverbs 28 verse 11 says, A rich person is wise in his own eyes, but a poor one who has discernment sees through him. If you're not yet a Christian, God is telling you tonight to have discernment and to place your trust in the Lord Jesus. It's only in him that you'll find genuine satisfaction, eternal life and real security on that day of his just judgment. The day that Jesus says will come. But if you're already a Christian, then let me finish by encouraging you to be thankful for the security that you already have in Jesus. Uh, Whether you are rich or struggling, you are secure in him. He loves you, he will provide for your needs, and one day he will come to welcome you into his eternal kingdom that lacks no good thing. See, this is this kind of security that is so life-transforming that even amidst economic uncertainty, rising interest rates, high petrol prices, you can still say, I'm actually going to be okay because I've got Jesus and I'm going to do money his way. I'm going to guard my heart so that I'm not lured by the love of money into foolish decisions. I'm going to manage my money well so that I can provide for myself and love those who are dependent on me. And I'm going to be generous so that I can honour God with my wealth and be a blessing to others who need it more than I. Let's pray to that end now. Please join me as I pray for us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words tonight. Please help us to be wise when it comes to money. Help us to live out your teaching and proverbs to guard our hearts to be good managers to give generously and to find our ultimate security in the lord jesus and in his name i pray amen